is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Friday, June the 17th. Double header day. Let's take two for the Phillies as we come off a super easy, super relaxing Philly victory. How about it? What a crazy thought. The Phillies just stomp all over the Nationals yesterday. And let me tell you, they should. The Nationals are an abysmal baseball team. They are now 23-43 and 43 on the season, and they might be worse than that record says. I mean, just, you know, we joked a lot, and maybe not joked, maybe lamented is the right word earlier in the season. The Phillies looking bad news Bears-esque as a baseball team far too often this season. There were like six moments last night when the Nationals were bad news Bears-esque. I mean, the big rally starts because Cesar Hernandez Roger Dorn's a baseball, like, totally olays it. I, I mean, love you, Cesar. Miss you, pal. You, it was very nice having you here. But, I mean, what was that? Have you ever learned to get your body behind the ball, Cesar? Isn't that, like, I don't know, 101, infield defense 101, you know? Get your body behind the, the ball in case it bounces up in a weird way. He olayed it, and the ball goes in the outfield. The Phillies end up scoring, like, seven runs that inning, and game's over. And then there were more errors to come. Another error later that inning is Josh Bell flips it to Patrick Corbin. And then he'll play at first base and just throws it right by him. Like, the Nationals are horrible. They are a horrible, horrible, abysmal baseball team. We still have 18 games left against them. I went into this saying, all right, you have to win at least three. You have to win at least four. I'm sorry. You have to win three of the next four. You have to win four of five here. Losing more than one game in a five-game series against the Nationals is unacceptable. That's how horrendous this baseball team is. They are awful. They're an awful baseball team, but you know who's not awful? The Phillies. How about it? Certainly not awful. The Phillies just handle business yesterday, 32-30. and 30. Get this, the first time the Phillies have been two games over five hundred this season since April 12th, the third game of the season. <laughs> Phillies were... 2-0 after the first two, and thus two games above 500. That then, then they lose one of the A's, then win one against the Mets. So 3-1 is the last time the Phillies were two games above 500. And here we are, 32-30. and 30. And here's the beautiful thing. If the Phillies can win three of the next four, all of a sudden we're sitting four games up. Braves didn't play last night, thus can't win. That's a good thing, right? Sticks at 14, 14 straight. It's like enough already. You know, stop showing off. You guys won the World Series last year. Rain it in, okay? But, but seriously, look, all we could do right now, and again, it is only June 17th. There is still an incredible amount of baseball left to play. Well more than half the season is still on the table. You know, closer to two-thirds than, than a half. So there's a lot of baseball left to play, and the Phillies... Have an opportunity as they're finally starting to round into form here and looking like a good baseball team. Last night was a good baseball team beating a bad baseball team, and that's what it looked like. Phillies didn't make mistakes. The Phillies had timely hits. The Phillies got great pitching. The Nationals, none of those things. And it was great. <laughs> it was a super enjoyable way to spend three hours. You know, more of those. Give, give me that kind of win more often. And again, a big day today is they play two. The Phillies, historically, over the last few years, have have not made it a habit of winning doubleheaders. You know, it's rare that they take both games. So, you know, let's hope for the best. The Nationals are so bad. So bad. They really should be able to handle them. The Nationals 
all kinds of starting pitching issues as of you know this morning we weren't even sure who was starting in these games so um you know there's real there's real opportunity here for the Phillies to get on another roll here like yeah the Braves might have won 14 straight but the Phillies won 12 of 14 if you sweep this series i mean ooh, buddy then you got a six game winning streak and then all of a sudden we're 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 talking right there at the Braves last team in baseball so and the Phillies can the Nationals are bad. They're a flat-out bad baseball team, as we saw last night. So, um, you know, it's a really important four-game series over the next three days. It really is. You know, these are the kinds of things that the Phillies need to, to handle. You know, we know the last few years, one of the hallmarks of these Phillies teams, even when they're contending, and they have contended, you know, they've been in first place in August over these past few years. They've been in wild card spots in August and September, or at least close to it in September last year. And, you know, they always collapse. They always fall apart. We know that. But they've been right there. And one of the hallmarks of this team has been losing games to teams they should beat when they need to beat those teams. Obviously, the Miami Marlins, the quintessential example of that. But we've got some brutal Nationals losses over the last couple years that we can remember that they shouldn't have lost, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, while it's... um. It doesn't feel like a super big accomplishment being a team like the Nationals last night when you watch them play. You're like, I mean, again, like the Marlins, who, you know, are also not a great baseball team, are clearly light years better than the Nationals. That's how bad the Nationals are. And, and obviously the record says that. The, not now 10, 20 games, 20 games below 500 to 23 and 43. They are just wallowing. And I think they're going to end the season that way. I mean, this feels like a 50 games under 500. I mean, this is a, this is a 55 to 65 win baseball team. That's what the Nationals are. They're they're bad. They're flat out bad. Let's say 65. 55 is really low. But they could be a 100 loss team. I don't think they'll get there, but they could. They're, they're that bad. They're a horrible, horrible baseball team. So they really do need to take advantage. And, you know, these opportunities are, are, are very important. You know, the Phillies need to be able to take advantage of these type of opportunities and beat these type of teams. So far, so good. Um, but moving forward, it's going to be a hallmark of whether this team can really contend or not. Because as we've talked about so many times, and we'll look at the schedule again a bit later, but you know, the schedule has more of these type of teams than the other, or at least bad teams than the other. So uh, it's going to be fascinating. Let's get to last night as, again, it was just a fun one. A lot of really fun things. Schwarber goes nuts. Munoz hits his first career home run. Michael Kelly, what a story. We'll get to that. Just an awesome one. Wheeler was dominant. Wheeler goes seven innings, four hits, one run, three strikeouts, no walks, only 386 pitches. Probably could have kept going, but it was 10-1. It's what's the point? You know, you save the pen, but they use guys that they're only going to use in mop-up type games anyway with Michael Kelly and how about it? Jose Alvarado. Nice to see Alvarado in a 10-1 game. Um, but, uh, you know, Wheeler was great. Wheeler, they needed Wheeler to go out and give him some innings to give him a strong start to start this five-game series. And look, on the backs of, of Gibby and, and Wheeler in those last two games, all of a sudden you head into this tough four games in three days from a pitching perspective. It's always tough. You got Ranger and Bailey Falter going today. You know, certainly the possibility that, neither, that one or neither of the, those guys ends up going super deep into the game, that saving the bullpen was a really crucial, massive thing for this team. It really was. And, and Wheeler and and Gibby, the last two games, really, really helping this team out and helping out their, their chances moving forward. So Wheeler was brilliant. The bullpen was good. Michael Kelly, a shutout inning, and Alvarado, a shutout inning. We'll get back to Michael Kelly. But um, Phillies just poured on in the third. That's when they really got going, and that's when the game ended. 
as um again you know it was an error that that helped them uh, Munoz hits a grounder to Cesar and he just olayed it you know there's no other way to, to put it it was Roger Dorn in major league and I, I imagine Lou Brown coming out and saying none of that olay bleep Dorn you know because that's what it looked like Cesar really it was you know for a guy who's played a lot of baseball but in the major leagues for a long time it was it was a weak play it was a weak play from Cesar he did not get his body behind the ball and look I get it you know you're playing for the Nats season's over already maybe it's harder to Throw your body in front of those, but still weak, weak play from Cesar, and and it ended up being massive because there were two outs in the inning, and then, um, you know, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> that's that's the crazy thing is, you know, the inning that went nuts. It was out, out error, so it could have been a very, a very different, different thing. But Phillies luck out. Schwarber's the next man to the plate, and God, that guy's power is just insane. He hits one. That it looked like he almost like it popped off the top of the bat. It definitely didn't look like a clean flush barrel, and yet it just takes off and it goes out to to right center. It's this guy's power is is unbelievable. His hand speed, his power is really unlike many people we've ever seen here. You know, honestly, it's Tommy esque. And obviously, Jim Tomey, one of the great home run hitters in the history of baseball, so we're not going there yet, but but it is, there's a bit of that feel, the short swing, the quick swing, the quick hands to the ball, really unbelievable, that left-handed power. Goes yard 2 nothing. then the floodgates open, Castellanos, an RBI single, nice night for Casti, which was great to see as Casti goes 2 for 3, and starting it going a little bit, I mean, imagine if Nick Castellanos gets hot, just imagine, <laughs> Whoa, buddy! You know, then we're then we're really talking about that that team that that we were hoping to see. Castellanos RBI single, JT an RBI infield single beats out a it's a slow slow grounder beats it out. That's the beauty of having a fast catcher there. Didi doubles down the right field line over the head of the right fielder. By then it's six nothing. Then Didi will score on an error at first. That was the play I mentioned before, where Josh Bell grounder to Josh Bell. You know, flips it, but instead of flipping it, kind of like sidearm throws it to Corbin on the run and just totally misses him. And Corbin made no effort to get it, it seemed like. It was just like, oh, I missed it. It was as lackadaisical a error, bad play as you will see in base. It looked, it looked like neither guy gave a bleep about the play. Honestly, it was unbelievable how, how effort. Not effortless in terms of like, oh, that was so effortless. You did that so easily. Effortless and, oh, you just showed no effort on that play. That's, that's what it felt like. But, hey, made it 7 nothing. We'll take it. Move to the next inning, and Kyle Schwerber finds himself at the plate again, and Kyle Schwerber finds himself, boom, going yard again. Two Schwerber bombs on the night, 8 nothing. Castellanos, another RBI double, 9 nothing. Then the bottom of the fourth, the Washington Nationals get on the board, but they're only running Josh Bell home run and nine one, and then uh, and then that was it. You know, it was over anyway. But then in the eighth, uh, Munoz, right here, Munoz with his first career home run, a, a high pitch, able to just kind of crank it out to left. Ten one, Philly Schwarber, two for four with two home runs, three RBI on the night. Uh, Hoskins a one for. Four game scores run. Harper one for four with two runs. Cassianos two for three with two RBI. Didi one for three with two RBI. JT had an RBI as we just talked about. Munoz one for four with a couple runs scored. You know, everyone got going. Everyone was in on it. And then on the pitching side of things, Wheeler was brilliant as we talked about. Alvarado a clean inning when it didn't matter. But man, shout out to Michael Kelly. I mean, what an 
What an unbelievably cool story it is when you see this kind of stuff and you see the guys who really, really, really struggle to get to the major leagues and really, you know, go through it and and commit. And I mean, this guy is a 10 year minor league career. That is insane. I know T-Mac did it on the broadcast last night when he was in, but... I mean, this guy went from Fort Wayne, Indiana, to Eugene, Oregon, to Lake Eisnor, to Fort Wayne again, to El Paso, to Saint San Antonio, to Lake Elsinore, to El Paso, to San Antonio, to Norfolk, to Bowie, to Southern Maryland, to Sugarland, to Corpus Christi, to Lehigh Valley, and then finally to the major leagues. Again, this guy is had uh, he's been in the minors since twenty. 12. Michael Kelly is a 29-year-old guy. He has pitched in the minors since 2012. And finally, finally, last night, made it to the major leagues. And, um, I mean, it's a beautiful story. The guy pitches a clean inning. His family was there to watch it. You know, it's... We were just talking about the Lou Williams home run the other day and, you know, how for me that was such a beautiful moment of this kid getting called up and, you know, with his family in the stands, hitting the walk-off home run and the, the shots of the family and and how awesome that was and how that's, you know, what sports are all about and what they're meant to be about and it's the majesty and the beauty of sports and it's why we watch sports and last night obviously not quite as dramatic with the walk-off and all that but it's it's the same idea, you know, watching a dude who has toiled and fought and sustained and dealt with and, and this and that and fought through you know, so many times I am sure I was thinking I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get to the majors, you know, this and that. Like, and then to finally get to, to put on the major league uniform, to, to go into a game, to pitch a clean inning, to be a part of a major league baseball win. Um, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. And, you know, sometimes we get so jaded watching sports and watching our teams, you know, especially... With all the losing we've done over the years, you know, it can get, sometimes we can get angry and sometimes we can get frustrated and, and blah, blah, blah. We know, we know. Um, but it's always, to me at least, I always, I always try and, um, you know, not take for granted the, these awesome stories that sports brings you, these, you know, human moments, these um, culminations of, of work and, and effort and all that, that that is really at the heart of why we love sports and why we watch sports and the, the beauty and majesty of it, as I said before. You know, it's, and it's obviously it's to win. We watch for our team to win. We watch to share in that glory with other people. We watch as a communal thing. Like, there are so many reasons that sports are a big part of our culture. And, and look, again, you know, I always talk about how generational sports are to families and how important they are. And, and, you know, it's one of the things I always talk about with owners where it's, you know, I think that owners have a, a responsibility to a fan base. It's not just their plaything. It's not like they, they get to buy it and then do what the hell they want with it. No, like it is, you're beholden to generations of fans who have been here long before you and will be here long after you. My father was a Phillies fan. My grandfather, a Phillies fan. My daughter will be a Phillies fan. Her kid will be a Phillies fan, and, and it'll go on forever. And and that's the beauty of sports and sharing it with your family and your friends through generations and all that type of stuff. And um, 
And that's one of the reasons it matters so much. And, and stories like Michael Kelly last night really hammer all that home and remind you that, you know, there are those type of beautiful stories in sports. It's not just about wins and losses. It's not just about getting angry about everything and all that. Sometimes it's it's great to just step back and watch a, a, a 29-year-old guy who spent the last 10 years fighting for this opportunity, hanging on, traveling literally across the country and back to all kinds of stops. I mean, we've heard so many stories about the minor leagues and how how difficult a life it is for those guys and how little they get paid and how they're sharing, you know, six to a room and they're traveling on buses and they're barely getting paid and all that stuff. You hear all that stuff. And this guy dealt with that for, for almost a decade to finally get the chance to pitch in a big league game. It's just, um, you know, don't take it for granted. Those type of stories. Those are, those are really beautiful things and, um, and they are meaningful and it's, you know, again, what makes sports great. Uh, all right, and in general, last night just a great night. Phillies dominate ten to one win. Necessary, needed ten to one win, and it's just so apparent over you know the last few days, the last little while, just just how different this team is and how different they feel watching them on a night to night basis. And yes, last night a big part of how it played out was the fact that Nationals are just a horrible baseball team, and the Phillies were able to take advantage of that. The Phillies clearly not horrible, like. We could say that for sure. Um, but I do think there's just a different vibe. You know, I meant to mention this, but a few nights ago, or a few days ago, I think it was the 14th, um, the Phillies didn't do BP before the game. They bagged it and did full defense and stuff and sprinting work and stuff like that. I mean, that's it's like movie. It's sports movie stuff. It's like, you know, all right, we got to do infield practice. No, no hitting it. Like, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Lou Brown. I mean, again, major league, it's that kind of stuff. You know, it just feels different. And then you know, we've talked about it, but the Schwarber toast thing for me, it just feels so r- organic and real. You know, it's, um, I didn't read the quote, but the quote from the Alex Coffee article, and it was a great article, but talking, Schwarber talking about it, he goes, we just came up with the idea. We all came up with the idea. Bryce, Gibby, Reese, JT. We wanted to do a better job of celebrating wins. It's not easy to win a baseball game. It's not a formal thing. You just shout it out. Maybe hold a beer, maybe a water, maybe an apple juice. And and I, I just, you know, and you could see it after the Stubbs home run. Uh, Jack Fritz mentioned this on High Oaks to me, and it was a great point, but like you could see when they were doing the post-game interview with Stubbs, like he ends the interview with T-Mac being like, all right, I got to go because Schwarber needs me in the locker room. You know, and you know they're going to do the toast, and Stubbs, he's going to get the toast. And last night, did Schwarber toast himself? No, he probably toasted Michael Kelly and Munoz. Michael Kelly for the amazing, beautiful moment we just talked about, Munoz's first career home run, I'm sure he did. But um, but that kind of stuff matters. And I've talked a lot about that the last few years, how, how every sort of, team thing they did all felt forced the bamboo plants and i love brad miller and i think it was um you know from a good place that brad tried to do that but it just didn't it didn't feel like a real team thing the homer hat felt lame and forced like no one really cared about that stupid hat this feels real like the excitement in the dugout when these guys do things like muñoz is home run he comes back to the dugout and they're all celebrating for him and they're all psyched you know the the way they all celebrate when good things happen the the general energy and vibe in the clubhouse and the dugout is is palpable it's different it's it's awesome and it's the kind of things that good teams have they're not there yet they're not where they need to be but 
I do think what we're seeing now is something that should give you real hope about the Phillies because it looks real. Like, the way they're going about their business looks real. It looks infectious. It looks like they like each other. It looks like they're actually a team for the first time. It looks like they're fighting for each other. And, oh, by the way, they got a lot of talent out there. The whole thing we talked about coming in the season, all the talent on the roster, it's there. Schwarber is being Kyle Schwarber now. Castellanos is going to start hitting. You can see the signs of it already. Like, the dude has hit for years. Like, why would he come here and just stop hitting? Like, that kind of stuff doesn't happen, you know? So, and again, we're the Phillies, so we do buck those trends sometimes. But, you know, this team's talented. Harper, obviously, is, is MVP-level play. The, the starting rotation has been one of the best in baseball. The bullpen issues, we know. Those are there. But on the whole, this team looks real. And, and... Are they more real than the Braves or Mets? I don't know. You know, right now, it doesn't look like anyone's more real than the Braves. But, you know, there is there is a real palpable excitement with this team and, a, and a, a, I think a palpable belief that this team is better than what we've seen. And I believe it. And, you know, the numbers are starting to show it offensively, too. I mean, Schwarber's in the 820 range OPS-wise now. You know, Hoskins is over 800 OPS. I mean, Hoskins, it's been forever. Hoskins in the 820, I think 834, 824 range, those guys... Um, Castellanos is on the verge of getting up there. You know, he's at least in the mid 700 now. Oh, I, you know, I'll average up to 258. You know, we're getting there. We're getting there. Guys are starting to hit a bit. And I just think there's, you know, a lot to be excited about right now with the Phillies. I think this is real. I do. Uh, and again, I don't know how it ends out. I don't know how real, but I think they're a good baseball team. And I think the, the stuff we're seeing right now is not just a product of them getting hot and winning games. I do think that helps. I think that. You know, and winning always breeds positivity and excitement and all that stuff. But but this feels real. And look, they've had a couple of tough losses. They got their asses blown out in one game, and then they got handled in another. You know, and and, and not just hand. I mean, they got handled in one, and they got you know the most devastating gut punchy type loss you can have in that Marlins game. And and they've bounced back each time. And that's the key. You know, seeing this team deal with adversity and bounce back is um is something that really, really. Makes me feel better and excited. All right, uh, we do finally, we didn't as of like earliest morning, late last night, knew who was going to start these games, but we do now as we look ahead. Again, four games in three days, two today, a 105 or a 705. Bailey Falter will face the, play the, uh, pitch the first one for the Phils against a guy named Joan or Yon Adan. I have never heard of him. Um, unbelievably, I don't even know if this is possible. Um, the, honestly, this feels, I don't know. I honestly don't know how this is possible, but, um, somehow this guy is one in 10 this season. Is that possible? How could he possibly have 10 losses? According to ESPN, this man is one in 10 this season. I That can't be right. One in 10. Oh, wow. How, how is this possible? But then it says he's 1-9 for his career. So I don't know. Let's take this with a grain of salt. Either way, what I can tell you is he has a 6.95 ERA with a 1.76 whip this season. You know what that is? That's just awful. That is horrendously, horrendously awful. 55 innings pitched. He has allowed 43 earned runs. Wow! Maybe he is 1-10. <laughs> Um, so that's some good stuff right there. That should be a nice one. You know, if you got to throw Falter, throw him against a guy like that. And then game two, Paolo Espino against Ranger Suarez. Espino is um, fine, but very beatable. Then tomorrow it's Nola versus Josiah Gray, another uh, nice matchup for the Phils. Gray is a nice young arm. And then on, on Sunday, uh, it's Zach Eflin against some guy named Jackson Tetrailt. 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 
who has a 15.75 ERA on the season. Now he's only pitched four innings, but he's given up seven runs in those four innings. So sweep him, man. Win all five. I've, I'm up from win three of five to win four of five to just sweep this series. I mean, oh my goodness. If they win both today, I think they sweep the series. Today is a big, big day. Can they take two, as Ernie would say. And again, after this, you know, they stay have the Rangers, then a tough series against, then they have a tough, a little tough stretch against San Diego, Atlanta, and St. Louis, but then they get Washington again, they get the Marlins again, and then over the second half of the season after the All-Star break, it really gets real from an easy perspective. You see the Cubs, you see the Pirates, and again, a lot more games against these Nationals, so good things on the rise, and he's playing good baseball. It's exciting. Big weekend. Four games to react to. We will react to it all on Monday. So until then, everyone have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.